3: Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Aquademia Podcast. I'm Sean O'Loughlin.
0: I'm Justin Grant. And I'm Maddie Cassidy.
3: And you thought that you were rid of me, <laughs> but you are not. You can't get rid of me.
0: Sean's back, everybody.
3: I cannot tell you how many compliments I have gotten on the last episode, <laughs> which makes me feel like people don't want me here anymore. But you know what? It's too bad for them because I'm I'm here for good. Um, it's going to be yeah, tough to actually get rid of me.
1: Quick disclaimer, I, I, I do feel... We were we were doing the intro on the last episode without you, and we we totally forgot to mention why you weren't why you weren't here. And I think the audience will want to know why actually, and it's worth celebrating. So I think you should maybe start off with that, and then we're going to introduce our awesome guests for today's episode.
3: Sure. Um, we I was not in the last episode because I was actually in the hospital, but for a good reason because my wife was having a baby. We had our third daughter. Um, the week that they were that you guys recorded with with Elise there. So I was obviously not available and uh, I had them push on without me and I said, I, I trust you to do a wonderful job and they did you guys did fantastic. I think a lot of people really liked the episode. It was a fun conversation. and I'm glad that we can continue that conversation today because mm-hmm. I missed out and I was listening to it and I was like, I, I wish I was there. I could have said this, I could have said that. <laughs> so um, so today uh, we actually, are not doing this alone. We do have a very special guest. Uh, Maureen Berry is here with us. She is actually a fellow seafood podcaster. She's in the community and her podcast is Green Fish, Blue Oceans. And that's going to be coming back soon. Uh, Maureen, I'm going to have you talk about that in a little bit. But first, can you give us a little intro? Tell us who you are, where you come from. And, uh, you know, Maureen actually contacted us after the last episode. So she can come join us. So we're really, really happy about that. So
2: Awesome. Great. Well, thanks for having me. And um, I'm always a fan of like, ask if you want something in life. And um, you did have a cool call to action. Like, hey, um, give you guys that. Like, so I was just happy to reach out and I'm glad to be here. I'm Maureen Berry and I'm a seafood. If the dog, the dog in the background barking was my dog. So sorry if you could hear that um my tuna All dogs shipment. are welcome here yeah yeah um the the fedex just dropped off the tuna very Ooh. excited about that um <laughs> the tuna's the, here
3: folks the <laughs> the tuna tuna has
2: arrived. <laughs> <laughs> and we can talk about a lot about fish which is pretty exciting and that's kind of what i like to do i'm an author and an artist and um been in the seafood space for a long time and food production uh, I had a restaurant and um, I worked uh, wholesale distribution. I did commodity fish sales. Um, I feel like I've done it all. Uh, I've done some speaking engagements at the aquariums that I will talk a little bit about more. But uh, I'm just happy to be here. Good well, to we're see
3: really, you. We're really happy you reached out to us. And if anybody else wants to reach out to us, Justin... I think for like the first time, Justin mentioned a, a great way to do that. Just you want to watch. And we
1: got a lot of hits you know. from that specific area that we haven't mentioned in previous episodes. But yes, uh, outside of our social, which is at Aquademia Pod, our email, podcast at aquaculturealliance.org, uh, there is a contact us button or contact button on the education page on aquaculturealliance.org. Uh, you go halfway down, click. Con- you'll see the Aquademia section, click Contact Us, and you can fill out a form. Tell us who you are. Do you want to be on the show? Do you want to sponsor the show? Do you have topic ideas? It's the The form is really easy to follow, and you can just walk through the steps and click Submit, and we'll get that email. So we find that a lot of people must have really liked that idea and found how easy it was because we got several hits from it from the last episode. Yeah, for sure.
3: So, this can kind of be like a half career pathways episode and then kind of a half topic episode uh, because
1: that's what I was thinking.
3: Maureen has quite a story, and I don't want to spend too much time introducing it because she tells it best. Everybody tells their own story the best. So, Maureen, can can you start from the beginning and and tell us tell us your story um and how you got to where we are sitting right now?
2: Yeah, that'd be great great way to start. I think one of the things that um when I did the speaking engagement at the Seattle Aquarium, in 2019, in April, which was it became a very tumultuous time in my life, mm-hmm. as you'll learn. Um, that sort of was the concept of like, where? How did I get started? I I, I was a kid. I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, nowhere near the ocean. Um, we had three rivers, the color of mud, when I was a kid in the <laughs> 70s, and. Um, I moved, I tried to go on vacation to the beach as often as possible through college. And when I moved to the Florida Keys from Pittsburgh in 1989, I thought I was going to get married and travel the world and You know that that didn't happen (laughs) Uh, my fiance had a restaurant and he wanted me to run that for him (laughs) Um, so i did and for the 10 years i ran a little restaurant if you've ever been in marathon florida it's called the wooden spoon and people used to call me mo there and i just despised that name but (laughs) i am so not a mo of all people like but it stuck and it worked and i was like whatever um but I think more than anything, of falling in love, I fell in love with a location. Like anybody that's been to the Florida Keys, the tr- it's very tropical. And, you know, Marathon is a small fishing and boating community about seven miles long and a mile and a half wide. So imagine I'm a young woman just like trying to, my coming of age kind of story. And um, I fell in love with that location and all those characters like my Gilligan's Island cast of characters at the bar. It was like a 64 seat breakfast and lunch. So I did mostly like bacon and eggs and whatnot, but I did fishing and kayaking and I learned to be an avid fisher on my time off. So, you know, we were out in the ocean, back in the Gulf. Um, I learned to fly fish. Um, it was just a lovely, lovely experience. But, you know, after about 10 years, believe it or not, there's a threshold <laughs> to too many margaritas and Jimmy Buffett.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you never, you never think there would be.
2: You would never think so. But so um, <laughs> I moved to Central Florida to Orlando, where I live for the next 13 years and worked as a food service professional um, for Cisco. I did, you know, learn the whole commodity sales for the food service industry and then kind of segued into some brokerage business with frozen commodity seafood. And I and that I think was kind of my aha moment that I learned how to teach chefs and people how to work with frozen fish, um, because even in even in Orlando we were considered a food desert as far as seafood goes because the majority of the seafood in the United States is actually caught and and exported. And um, by the time the fish got to the docks, it was already sold and gone. So we had a few customers, like I had an Asian account. He had a retail store and I probably, you know, sold him a thousand pounds of fish, but he bought mostly bycatch and uh, some other good commodity fish. But I found that um, anyway, so that kind of um, I I started getting very interested in in the commodity industry. And when my chefs um, were asking me for local fish because of the sustainable movement was coming around. Um, I found it harder and harder to source. And so I started to write like a weekly news update to all of my high end chefs and to let them know what was happening in the market. So they weren't constantly asking me for grouper when grouper wasn't available. Or why was the lobster market so high, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. And um, I kind of loved writing that and thought, well, wow, wouldn't it be great to write a cookbook? Um, so I think, um, at that point I did get married and don't mean to say, I think I got married, but I did get married. Um, I did. I swear I did. Um, so I got married and my husband, um, was tired of me smelling like a wet fish box basically and said, well, what, what do you really want to do with your life? Um, and so I said, oh, I'd love to write a cookbook. And, um, so I quit my job and just started freelancing and took some writing classes and, um, and then interesting, I, I've, Twitter, I found to be like the most acceptable form of like, let me talk about seafood. Um, Monterey Bay Aquarium kind of followed me and kind of found me in and in, they actually brought me out to an event. They used to do a, a phenomenal um, six day event at the Monterey Bay Aquarium where they paired scientists and media to tell the story of sustainable seafood. And so they brought me out on media scholarship and I just was beyond thrilled. I was oh my, like, oh, my gosh, you've got to be kidding. And that was just a phenomenal like segue into like my world of where I'm going with that. And then by the next year, when I went back, that was called the Sustainable Foods Institute. If anybody remembers that, any listeners have been there, like, you know, sh- just let me know you were there. Just find me and let me know because I would love to reconnect with a lot of people there. Um, so by the next year, when I went, I had the idea for the cookbook and thought I had really wanted to do kind of a great big cookbook and, but was t- totally out of my wheelhouse, like brand new author. Like, that's not the first thing you do is do like a Barton Siever type cookbook. You do like less, right? textbook. get Like the encyclopedia of seafood here, like Barton did. But, um, so I said, I'm just thinking overthinking, right? going to do one species at a time and so salmon was my big thing because I think what was happening was salmon people salmon was getting such a bad rap as you know like the farm salmon industry is just horrific from the 50s on
3: oh yeah we are aware
2: oh (laughs) right so aware of the farm issue the farm salmon issue so I thought oh no I need to bring light to this story because people need to know the differences and why and so I kind of created this concept so when I landed when the plane landed At the gate, as I walked out, who was standing there but the mac daddy of all seafood, Rick Moonen and his wife, Ronnie. And I was just like, bowing to like, I was so intimidated, you know, and they just put their arms around me and said, Oh, welcome, you're here. And so that night, um, at the guest reception, I thought, because I thought on the plane, you know, I'm a big fan of like, ask for what you want, right? And I thought, well, how am I going to, how can I, what can these people do to help me? I need help. And so I went over to to Rick and just said, hey, I've got this idea for a cookbook. Would you like to, can you like guest a recipe for me? And he was like, heck yeah. And he whips his card out. I was like, oh, that was so easy. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so then, you know, what happens next, of course, was I went to the next person and said, Hey, Rick Moon's giving me a recipe. Would you like to give me a re-? So that's kind of, so that I have this little section in the cookbook. Um, and then within, uh, by 2016, I was, uh, writing the cookbook. Um, the next year after all the marketing and whatnot, um, I decided I needed to launch the podcast to try to get it another audience like more audience participation and just kind of go in a different direction so that's kind of a more educational thing and then um i was at a conference in new york city i feel like i'm just going on and on because this story just goes on and on Um, (laughs) well that's why we have you here yeah it's easy it's easy for us This is an easy day for you guys. It's such an easy day. I really appreciate that. So, in 2018, I was in New York at the um, International Association of Culinary Professionals conference, the IACP. Big conference, big people, and um, this is a very interesting story. And people, I I think, will take note. The takeaway from this is very interesting. So, I'm standing in line for a headshot. They bring in this photographer to do like free headshots for people. So we're in this big lemon the quay and I'm talking to this woman who's got this perfect blonde hair. And my hair is totally like it's this is cancer growing hair now, so you guys can see. But I had like longer hair. It was always curly and whatnot. And this woman who's about my age has like perfect blonde hair for the I'm like, look at your hair. It's so beautiful and blah blah blah. What do you do? So we started talking about our projects and she was very tight lipped about her project. And because, you know, you get kind of like, you don't want to talk too much about a project. Protective. In the beginning stages, you don't want somebody to take your idea or whatever. So I was like, fine. But I'm like, blah, blah, blah. This is my cookbook. <laughs> and this is what I do. And um, so we exchanged cards. And I just was like, oh, I'll probably never see her again. Because when I looked at her card, there was no way to get in touch with her. Like no socials, no phone, no email. It's just, I was like, what is this, Right. So like two months go by and I get this email from this woman uh, in California who says, Zoe, like told me about you and we need to talk. I want to talk to you. And it turns out it's another, was another chef who turned out to be my sponsor for the Seattle Aquarium. So she was the fundraiser for Seattle Aquarium and got them their like first million dollars in grant money and said, I love your podcast and what you're doing. And I need you to come out and let's let's start let's make a program because they do um, something called sound conversations where they always bring scientists on and it's an interview kind of thing and they open up the aquarium and sell tickets and whatnot and so this was a very different kind of then very different kind of um, program where i was coming in with a food angle Um, they did my recipes because now they have a chef at the aquarium so she and her staff created this huge you know pre-event before where you bought a ticket and came in and tasted I did like a recipe I did was um one of my favorite recipes and my fan favorite recipe in the cookbook is um roasted salmon with uh, blueberry pan sauce so we did that and then I did um I wanted to do a farmed fish also so I did a catfish like a seared sesame seared catfish taco with like a coleslaw Mm -hmm. it was just delightful and then one of the um shellfish farmers like came in and brought some shellfish in and there was a wine tasting and we did a big VIP event where I signed cookbooks for like the VIP members and then we did like the big interview which was basically the story of my life how did I get where I was and how do I help people um, learn the benefits of eating seafood um, you know healthy seafood and sustainable so if if any
3: of our listeners were not there for that you're welcome because you just (laughs) got it again
2: yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that kind of, so that, um, and this was, of course, pre-COVID. This was like April 2019. And, um, we had already reached out to the Aquarium of the Americas in Long Beach. And, um, I reached out to the aquarium in Baltimore and then even in my own backyard. And now I'm drawing a blank and they're going to just kill me the new the aquarium up in Newport. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry, because I was there for a big event too, Newport, Kentucky. Um, so I had this list of like aquariums and this was kind of like, wow, I'm making it while I'm working on my second cookbook, which was, as you guys will love, all about aquaculture. Now, lo and behold, I was also dealing with a very personal health issue, unbeknownst to me um, when I got up to Seattle. Um, I was diagnosed with a cancer called liposarcoma, and my liposarcoma cancer just overtook my body, and it was really a a life-threatening. Had we not caught it, when we did, I wouldn't even be speaking here, literally. Yeah, so since, you know, 2019, I had, like, a massive round of chemo and then did a big surgery and then finally started getting healthy, and then literally, like, this is, like, 2020 is going to be my year. Like, I'm going to go do and then like COVID. I was like, <laughs> like,
3: what? A lot of people had their years pulled out from under them, unfortunately. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, you know, whatever, this is my year now. I'm alive, so that's all that really matters. That's it.
3: Absolutely. Well, hey, we are yeah. so happy that you are recovered and, and healthy. It's hey. and that you're able to oh. come and talk oh. with us today. That is very, very exciting and very it makes us feel really good. So hey.
2: I'm going to get Cooper up here because he's, he's a little bit needy and he's barking. So I apologize. About that. <laughs> that's fine.
3: If, <laughs> no, if you no. did hear the last episode, we, we do love our
2: dogs on this show. I know it. Um, yeah. So I think one of the big things that now that's so important for me is um, because I have such a limited digestive palate, like it's all totally reconfigured. Um, I'm fully recovered and I've been NED, which is no evidence of disease for a year now. So I am have to, I'm just, and now I'll go for another 10 years um, before they'll actually call me cancer free. But in the meantime, I'm just healthy and I'm eating and I eat a lot of seafood, a lot of seafood. And I'm not just saying that because I'm on the show. I mean, I, eat a lot. although I you I, practice I, what
3: you preach, that's it.
2: <laughs> I do. I really practice what I preach. Um, and I do, and I eat all the species. I eat farm fish and wild fish and, you know, shellfish and just have to be creative about Um, and I, go ahead. I was going to
1: say that that's really important and something that I think we're, you were probably going to go there before I interrupted you. But as you said, you, your diet has changed significantly, but seafood was not something that you needed to tweak or remove from your diet altogether. If anything, you're eating, as you said, more of it, and it, 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 and it, um, it's not upsetting you in any way. And maybe you can talk a little bit about that because it's it's a protein that, Is we're, you know, part of our podcast is getting people to eat more seafood. And you're an example of you are doing that without any limitations. So maybe we can talk about that a little bit.
2: Oh, yeah. I'm so glad to say that because really my big fear was what if I can't eat seafood? I, I can't drink coffee, so I can't, I, I'm really, you know, I just love my cappuccino, um, and I can't take yogurt, like, there are just certain things, you know, I have to be very careful. I still love my red wine, and I can still eat, eat dark chocolate, but, yeah, the seafood's critical, like, I think it's so mm-hmm. important for health, and, um, I don't, I, I mean, now I have, today, for instance, like, the tuna came, so I have some albacore tuna coming from Alaska that came, and I, um, I, I, you know, it's hard not to talk about that without being totally aware that I recognize that that's a privilege that I can bring seafood in because um, I know that everybody can. Mm-hmm. But I, I, am also a fan of like pouch tuna. Like I just, I whip up that that tuna salad. Um, I grew up on tuna salad, but it was the tuna salad in oil, like the brown tuna. You know, we were just we were that's poor, one of Justin's go to's. Yeah.
1: yeah, I was waiting for someone to say I, the, that pouch tuna with the flavors, I would say it was at least four times a week. When when we were in the, in the
3: office. office, his you he, he open up one of his desk drawers and there's like 15 pouches of, of tuna in there.
2: <laughs> yeah. you know, you That's always, not a
3: bad thing. No. Not, you, it you, was. Always,
2: you don't even need to hold, add a whole lot. you like, especially with the flavored stuff. You don't have to add anything. Yeah. You just open it up. And I'm, so I think for me, lunch is the hardest meal because... Maybe for a lot of people too, you guys can let me know when, you know, it's easy to eat breakfast. Like I'm always preparing for dinner at some point, but lunch, I'm like, Oh, I've got to eat lunch. Like I have to stop doing what I'm doing. It's
3: more of a nuisance than anything else. Your body (laughs) needs fuel and you got to just fill it up somehow.
2: Yeah. well, That is exactly
0: how I view lunch.
2: (laughs) Right. I'm glad to hear that because I used to think, am I the only one standing over the sink eating my tuna out of the can? Like, come on. Like, this is crazy. Um, yeah, so tuna. It's funny that tuna out of the can is. It's actually at tuna out of the can. My memoir. I, I'm actually the memoir is this um, story about food, basically, but it's a lot of about a lot of other things too. And in the, you know, so I write a little story and then I write and include an essay. Um, excuse me, a recipe in it. And one of the recipes, of course, is my tuna. My mom's tuna salad elevated, because um, my mom was a fan of like. First of all, my mom. Um, worked for a living. She was a full time nurse, and my father died when I was a child, seven years old. And I have eleven siblings, so let me go there. And what? um what, Right? So you're you your your, poor mom. You're your, my poor mom. Right? I, I I just got my oh third, my and I'm overwhelmed. God. I can't imagine. Right? So you just had your third, and I'm like, oh, my mom had twelve. Um, <laughs> so God bless her. We we ate for survival, not luxury. And um, but so her tuna salad was just awful. Like and. <laughs> She put, put, God bless her. She put the mayonnaise and the relish and the eggs and the, you know, it's just like, oh, goopy. Like, you know, (laughs) I prefer something a little bit lighter, fresher jalapeno peppers and some tomatoes and maybe some fresh herbs and a little bit of mayonnaise. You know, Um, I think moderation is really key with anything, even with seafood. You know, I mean, I don't want to eat too much seafood. There is mercury issues in our seafood. We can't, you know gloss over that all the seafood is good because it certainly is not but mm-hmm. i think
3: that's another we don't we'll have to write this down justin on our on our topic sheet but i think yeah the bioaccumulation discussion would be really interesting to, to so get it's a good one yep. so. for sure mm-hmm. yeah. but uh, maureen you said something i almost just called you mo sorry <gasps> yeah, you yeah,
0: bringing <laughs> back the memories <laughs> yeah um
3: you mentioned something uh, before we started recording about how it's difficult to understand why people have a hard time with getting more seafood in their diet. And I think this is great because we have we have you and we have Maddie, and this is we can just like put you guys on either side of the spectrum, right, Maddie, because we, we you talked about in the last episode how that is something that you're kind of struggling with is to incorporate more into your into your diet. so i'm I'm curious kind of what your take is, Maddie, in response to that. Why, why is it difficult to get more seafood every week into your regular diet? What what makes that hard? Because it's so, very easy for Maureen, clearly.
0: I will say, as an update for anybody that listened to the last episode, that I have improved since then. So I'm going to pat myself on Friday. the back for that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but I think probably the main barrier for me, and I'm sure that I'm not the only one with this, is being creative with my meals and I'm just such Mm. a creature of habit when it comes to food and I personally am not a big chef I don't love cooking I would rather spend my time doing other things so most of the time I'm just like okay what can I make quickly what is easy and what do I already know how to do so that I don't have to think about it so for me it's more just coming up with new things to add to my repertoire of my go-to meals. And with that, the need for just being creative and being open to trying new things. That's really my personal struggle. Hard
1: to break the status quo, right?
0: Exactly.
1: Yeah, you definitely aren't alone, I don't think, Maddie, in in that regard. As you were speaking and saying, you know, that creativity piece and not... i am I'm the same way that... I mean, I do. I know that I mentioned my Justin's shrimp Alfredo in the last (laughs) (laughs) episode. Whether that's a thing or not, that that's relatively easy. But my creativity is obviously lacking if that's the extent to what I consider an actual dish because it was three ingredients really. I usually go to the store to get sushi. That's one of my. It just tastes so Uh, good, and there's so many options. But again, that's a luxury for me. Why uh, sushi is not inexpensive it's it can be expensive so it's not something people typically will eat every single day and it does require you unless you know how to make it yourself to go somewhere to get it and that also is a limitation so it's really trying to find that balance and i i'm hoping we're doing that with with our with our podcast is is really trying to just reach outside of these these barriers and offering a ton of of options that People can say, you know what, I I can afford sushi every now and then and I have had it before and I do like it. I will go to the store and try to eat it once or twice this month even uh, or or make Justin's Alfredo or whatever it is. I'm sure we're going to have some creative ideas, Maureen, from this episode, but there's, we, we hope we just keep giving our audience options and, mm-hmm. and, and I he's understanding he's the value problem. of it. I'll say this.
3: I haven't had sushi in so long because my wife was pregnant and she couldn't have it. And now that she is no longer pregnant, we <laughs> have already made plans to get sushi for Valentine's day. And when I say get sushi, I mean like,
1: get, get like, like the, we're the, getting, the we're going to get
3: some, we're going to get some sushi. You know what I'm you saying? Like It's
2: going to,
3: it's going to, it's going to get real. And I'm really excited about it. And, <laughs> and oysters is the other thing. My wife really loves oysters. So we're, we're excited to get, we, we don't have a place around here where we live that it is, it's easy to get like fresh oysters. So it's going to be a little while because of COVID. We don't really go anywhere and we have a two-week-old baby. But, you know, it, it, that's something that we're really excited to get. But I, I'll say this. We have been working on getting more seafood too, and it mostly comes in the form of shrimp lately. And last night, Sam made – she makes this dish that is just the my absolute favorite f- – Food that she makes of, of any meal she's ever made for me, and it's this Cajun shrimp and sausage thing. She usually puts jumbo, it. It's jumbo. like kind of like a jambalaya, but we put it with with pasta. You don't need to put it with pasta, but she just does yeah. shrimp and like half sweet, half hot sausage, and she puts the ca- the Cajun seasoning on it with. You're making the dog hungry. Sean. I know, <laughs> and uh, and then she does like red sauce and with heavy cream, so it's that like thick, orangey delicious comfort food sauce and then we just put it with some penne and it is like unbelievable and she makes Did it you really take a cool. picture uh i didn't i probably have it on my phone from some Next other time, time. I and i had it for lunch today too i had it for dinner last night and i had the leftovers for lunch today and i'm really sad that there's none left because it was it's so
2: good <laughs> i love leftovers i'm such a big fan i think leftovers are so important and you know you can do leftover um seafood maddie um yes. i would say if you wanted to Add more seafood to your diet, like pick as pick a fish and just try it like salmon, such an easy fish. It's so healthy for you. And um, just make extra, always make extra. So when you think about a portion, you know, a portion is like the size of your fist. So that's four ounces. You could probably eat six, but, you know, four ounces. So if you made like eight ounces, that's already two pieces. And um, if you slow roast it in the oven, or even if you pan sear it, like, and you cook it to medium rare, then you still have room to wiggle, like the next day for the next meal. So you're not cooking, overcooking the fish, and because you know um, overcooked salmon gets really chalky and dry, mm. and nobody likes that. No, that's what
3: I was gonna say. If you're doing seafood leftovers, how do you keep it from being dry? I feel like leftovers are always a little bit more dried out, and fish, yeah,
2: they are. Like with the, with the. Um, with the salmon, for instance, if you are cooking at medium rare or medium, then I said you have some wiggle room. I think with shrimp, it gets really – you have to be careful because shrimp cooks so fast anyway that it would re- it really dries out. But when you have, like, a delicious sauce, like what you were talking about your wife made, that sounds, like, amazing. And then that's already so cooked good. in there. So. Maybe
3: I'll you have can- her write up the recipe so you can put it in your next cookbook.
2: Oh, that would be <laughs> delightful. <laughs> would be so I'll write good. up
1: my recipe, yeah. too, if you want
2: to. <laughs> I like your, that's special. Right. That Justin's uh, fettuccine with I was just like, please, Lord, let me have some of that right now. Whatever you. Do. Well, we'll have
3: to. You'll have to make like the like the every man's seafood cookbook, and it's just a bunch of people that you talk to that aren't chefs or you know don't regularly make recipes. Like this is what we do.
2: <laughs> like what we. This is what you normally do, right? Right. So um, it is hard to do seafood, but I would say like try a fish and then just. Try, go with it. Just know like you're making your two meals, like one, one day, one the next day. Um, my favorite go-to for like leftover seafood that doesn't typically dry it out is to make like a fish taco. Mm. So if you have leftover fish or you can just mix it with like some scrambled eggs and have like, you know, breakfast for dinner. So Ooh. delicious. Ooh. And a little taco shell with some salsa. So these are like no recipe recipes. You don't need that. Like as long as you season your fish properly when you're cooking it, and then you make sure you seal it very tightly in the refrigerator so that it doesn't have a chance to dry out, um, and then bring it up to room temperature for 20 minutes before you actually recook it, because hmm. taking it from that solid, frozen, that cold state, and then trying to reheat it, you're, you're not, you're going to be, you you will be disappointed. Um, That's a really good point. Yeah, and then I just even today. <laughs> Another thing too, even when you're cooking from. Like your fresh fish, I always bring fish up to temperature for 10 or 15 minutes, um, sometimes even 20, depending on if it's a big piece of fish. Um, just like you do meat, like you let meat sit out for an hour on the counter before you cook it. You want to do the same thing with um, with fish. And then anytime you're putting it in hot oil, you just because frozen fish is always typically has a lot of water. Just want to pat it dry numerous times, like before you actually put it on the heat with any type of oil or butter to avoid some splatter. But yeah, I think
1: right. I Elise mentioned that in the last episode of patting it dry. Yeah. Now I know why. Now I know why. Yeah, I, think yeah. that, I think
3: one thing that we run into uh, that we do wrong almost every time is when we cook fillets. And it, I was thinking about this when Elise was talking about it, too, is that we never let the oil get hot enough before we put it on.
2: Um, and I think that yeah. dries it out too
3: because it's more of a gradual heat. Well, right, because what
2: happens is then the fish absorbs whatever liquid you're sitting it in, in, you know, putting it in. So my thing is, I I I have been cooking fish for years, and I use the timer. I use Alexa all the time or my phone timer, and when I put the heat on medium high and put the oil, and I I always do a combination of oil and butter because if you just put the oil in. Um, it's going to smoke. And if you just put the butter in, it's going to burn. So both of them together tend to make it like the perfect environment conducive for fish. And then i will set the timer because I'm busy. Like I don't want to stand there and wait for three minutes. Right. But if Lex is yapping at me or my phone's going off, I know like I have to come back to the kitchen. You know, I got to get back to the burner um, and then the fish is ready to go. And I, I'm dying to do a video on um, a cooking video on how to make crispy salmon skin, because to me, if you guys like crispy salmon skin is like the best thing ever. <laughs> like it tastes like a potato chip, but it's salmon skin and it's not easy to do. And so I think I need to do it's a video. It's like about
0: an art that. form. I feel like I have tried that and it's, it just tell does not what work you do for me. I'll tell
2: you tell me what you do. I'll tell you what you're doing wrong.
0: Honestly, (laughs) I think it's probably the same issue as Sean is like, I don't wait. I was actually talking about this with my boyfriend over the weekend is that I never wait for pans to heat up when I'm cooking. I just automatically start putting whatever I'm doing on onto the pot and he was like i think we were making pancakes actually and he was like waiting for the pan to heat up and he was like putting a little drop of water to wait to see if it would sizzle once once he dropped the water on and i was like why are you doing that like just start cooking and he was like no you need to the pan to heat up before you start cooking something yeah and we, like, we
3: tend to go with the uh the first batch is always thrown away because it's just kind of battery <laughs> and not great and then the second batch comes out really good for that same reason
2: so funny i have, i'll tell you a funny story um when i was recovering i had a lot of help I, my large family was very helpful actually and they came to visit and um take care of me and cook and um, my sister is of that same principle of throw the food in the pan before it's ready to go. And I was just sitting there watching her like helpless going, I cannot believe that's how she's cooking that food. <laughs> and you can't like say anything though because she's you, there so to you help you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I couldn't say anything. I was like so grateful she was there doing it. And I was just crying on the inside. God, look what she's doing. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you're not alone.
3: Oh, that's funny. <laughs>
2: So if you wanted, to, if you want to do Sam, I'll give you like the you know the salmon crispy salmon skin one one before now, give you us, give us give us the tips, the insider okay, tips. So you have a you have your skillet, um, cast iron skillet works best. Um, bring it up to heat with the butter and the oil on medium high heat. Um, it will smoke because it's cast iron a little bit, but as soon as you put this salmon, as soon as the butter the butter will melt and get. Foamy, foam, foam, foam. And as soon as it stops to foam, that's the transition when it's, if you don't hit the salmon, it's going to burn. So you put your salmon in skin side down, set your timer for like two and a half minutes. Um, Because at three minutes, I find it's too long. And immediately, as soon as you put it down, turn the heat to low, to, excuse me, to medium, because that cast iron retains the heat. So Mm -hmm. even if you're using a, um, you know, like um, a nonstick pan, you want to reduce that heat to medium because medium high is too, it'll just, cook that fish so fast but you do want it crispy so as soon as you lay it down there set that timer for two and a half minutes and do not move that fish okay two and a half minutes goes off flip it over onto its other side and then spoon some of the butter um tilt your pan you're going to tilt your pan a little bit and spoon some of the butter over the top of it to get it cooking um while the fish is cooking for another two and a half minutes say your salmon is you know typical if you have farmed salmon that's you know, an inch, an inch and a half thick, you're probably going to go for six minutes, maybe, maybe six minutes, right? To get a medium rare, because you want leftovers, Maddie. You want to have some. Exactly. You don't
3: want to dry it out. You got to seal so it real good it after done. you're done. Right. I can tell yeah. you all about it later.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, <laughs> um, so then you take your spatula, you take your fish spatula, and at this point, your, your salmon skin is going to peel right off. So you just peel that salmon skin off and then plop it like, the wet side down into the skillet so that that underside can get cooked while you're still cooking your fish. So now your salmon skin is not going to be ready before your, your salmon is done. So once you take your salmon out, you can tent the fish with a piece of foil. And that just means you're keeping your fish warm on a platter. You put your, a tent on your, you know, you don't want to seal it around cause it'll steam it, but just tent it. It'll keep the heat in. Um, and then, Turn your heat down a little bit more to medium low and then flip your salmon skin a couple of times while you're like plating up your food. And by the time you plate up your salmon with your salad, you have your little side of crispy salmon skin and it's done.
1: Is the butter wow. and oil equal parts, half and half?
2: Yep, 50 okay.
0: 50. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That usually doesn't like, even like
2: take much time. It doesn't. It's so fast. Yeah, like, like less than 10 fast. minutes. Less than 10 minutes you're cooking. You're, and so that's why you always want to have like the table set, the sides are done, the salad is done and dressed, like make sure that the dog went for the walk, you know, (laughs) you wanna make sure, like you just gotta, you gotta get the guy, you know, the person in the room who's ever eating, get them at the table or whatever, because that salmon cooks so fast. Fish cooks very, very fast. Like even if you did like, um, like one of my other favorite easy go-tos that will not smell of your kitchen, because if you um, don't like that smell, I think people get offended by the smell of fish. Easily. It depends and so, on the
3: fish, I think. I think some have a much has, stronger um, fishy scent than others.
2: Yeah, they mm-hmm. sure do. And um, so if you bake in the oven, you get less fish smell, you know, and it's less work. Really, it's like sheet pan fish. Like, so one of my favorite go-tos is say you have some tilapia at the store. Oh, and I forget I had a cool little like I get a little acronym for people with shopping at the store to know which salmon, which tilapia to buy. And you guys can let me know if I'm if I'm on the spot. So I tell people to look for the country of origin on the fish package, and the way to remember is to use the word "pec" P-E-C for pectoral fin, and the and the pec stands for Peru, Ecuador, and Costa Rica, or Colombia and Canada, and those are some of the cities. Now, am I right on that with those countries like producing the the good green tilapia? Um. I think
3: it can be actually simpler than that if you just look for eco labels.
2: Yeah. When I go to Kroger, the way the tilapia is packaged, they have like two pieces and a piece of styrofoam oh, and a wrap okay. over it and then the you know country of origin stamped. So, you know, okay. it's not, not fancy here. Like if you go to like a big store, like <laughs> big box store, um, like the, the Whole Foods or Trader Joe's or whatnot, those stores have it. But I think the regular, like the Giant Eagles of the world and the Wegmans and whatnot, I don't think they have all that.
3: But Yeah. So the tilapia stuff is is changing all the time but um mm-hmm. if you if anyone is interested in getting a little bit more detail about that go back and listen to our species spotlight on tilapia it's a two-part two it's a two-part yeah. it's a two-part episode i mean it's at least two hours worth of content talking just about tilapia oh good with some with some guests and there's some really good information and believe it or not china is probably just as good at this point yeah. so um you know there's a lot of there's a lot of good information in there. So definitely go back, check that out. Maddie, let's, let's make sure that we get that a link to that episode in the show notes so people can check that out. I I had a lot of conversations uh, at the podcast conference I went to uh, about mm-hmm. that because someone was, someone actually brought this podcast up in a talk that they were doing in front of the whole crowd. And they said they even made tilapia sound delicious because uh, that episode had come out recently. And so I had a lot of people talking about that. So uh, it's a really, it's a really good couple episodes. So make sure you check that out.
1: Well, that fish Marina, I'll let you talk in a minute because I want you to finish this recipe. But we Maddie, you do cook the the oven, the toaster oven tilapia that we linked in the previous episode, episode 90, which is just I watched that recipe video from the show notes yesterday again, and I was like, oh, I remember how good that tasted. That but so tilapia good. is relatively inexpensive. And you're right, look for a responsibly sourced tilapia. There's many ways you can do that. We just gave you a couple of resources, things to look for, and episodes to listen to but it's, it's mild takes, there's so many creative ways that you can do it. And it, they're really fast. Um, but Marina, I'll, I'll, I don't want to steal your thunder. Tell us what you do.
2: No, no, you're totally right. And I'm going to link um, to my people with this tilapia shows also so that they will have that reference. And then they they can know on my end awesome, too. Yeah. Um, awesome. this, this just goes with like, I like to tell people tilapia that, you know, especially like people that are on a budget and who's basically not on a budget. Right. Mm-hmm. So, tilapia is affordable and, um, it's available everywhere. It's, it's everywhere. Um, but this, this recipe is good for any fish basically. So you want to preheat the oven to 400 and then pat your fish dry and then take a small bowl and mix in some panko bread crust and whatever herbs you have on hand. Like my favorite trio of herbs, um, is like parsley, basil, and mint. It's such a lovely flavor. You could put some garlic, uh, garlic powder in there with some salt and black pepper, um, I, actually I love the idea like, of
0: adding mint. Yeah.
2: yeah. So you add all that, a drizzle like a tablespoon of olive oil. So when you're thinking about like how, portion, like how much breadcrumbs, how much this, how much that. Um, if you look at your fish, just eyeball your fish and think, oh, I'm going to coat only the top of that fish. Right. You don't want it. This is not like a, a bunch of breading on a fish, but you're just going to coat the top. So you kind of eyeball like how much Bread crumbs? do I need and then you're going to be adding other ingredients like and depending on you know what you want so then you coat the top of the fish with a mixture 50 50 mayonnaise and Dijon um, and spread it over the top and then take your breadcrumbs that you mixed up with the herbs and the olive oil and whatnot and then pat it on top and then bake it in the oven 400 for like 12 minutes like bigger fish 15 minutes done it's so delicious um one of the other recipes that i did same kind of same technique but i wanted like a mediterranean flavor profile so i used diced tomatoes and chopped um, marinated artichoke carts and kalamata olives now some of those things um, because they're small you kind of have to chop them so there's a little more labor you know preparation involved because you're chopping But, you know, who cares? Like you're chopping for two people or four people. It's not like a ton of food. And you mix all that up with a little bit of oil and some oregano, salt and pepper. Same thing, throw it in the oven with like you you have that mayonnaise that binds it with, you know. And so it's nice and creamy and light. And then that texture of the breadcrumbs, the panko gets nice and crusty on top. And the fish is nice and flaky and mm, so delicious. (laughs) That sounds really good.
3: I'll, I'll, I'll quote them again. They even made tilapia sound good
0: part two <laughs> I, I love
3: tilapia we that's probably the fish that we have the most in my household is tilapia because yeah, it is I it is inexpensive and it's easy
0: mm-hmm.
1: and very tasty and, and very there's t- multiple ways to pre- prepare it yes that
2: are all well quick it's like a tofu
3: of, of white fish right like it it tastes like whatever you cook it with right. it's gonna take on the flavor so
2: it makes great tacos like it makes a great taco like it's just an amazing little fish you could, you don't even have to use a, if you're like trying to lose a couple COVID pounds, you know, use the, couple. <laughs> um, <laughs> use, um, like a little bib lettuce or, you know, whatever, a little cup, of iceberg lettuce cup. Iceberg, um, is such a good crunchy lettuce. It doesn't have a ton of nutritional value or flavor, but man, it does have a good crunch. So that's like a great, I love that idea. A, so then there you go with your salmon. You have those, that's your twice a week. And then yeah. that's one and week, tuna. and then you have tilapia. And then you have your tuna, super easy, out of the canned tuna.
1: So, Maddie, we want pictures for social of you attempting
2: I will take, take pictures. I will take pictures. I love that, yeah. I'm doing a new recipe tonight um, that I normally, This is the only second time I've done it, so I'm hopeful. I liked it the first time I'm doing it. Um, I got the recipe from Food 52. It's from the famous restaurant in New York, Naboo with the um the miso cod recipe that's really amazingly delicious um butter uh sable sable fish is like a really buttery fish like and kind of a little bit sweet like i'm not super crazy about it but like with this this marinade on it so you take a quarter cup of um a quarter cup of sake and a quarter cup of mirin or if you don't have mirin like me I don't have mirin I use rice vinegar and then add a couple of tablespoons of sugar and then you bring that to a boil really quick for 30 seconds and then you whisk in white miso paste and more sugar so it is sugary kind of base and then you let it cool to room temperature and then you marinate your fish for like three to four days so then it just like incorporates mm-hmm. all this amazingness and then you pan sear it like and it turns this brown caramelized because of all the sugar and the alcohol it just so oh (laughs) and i made it with like i made some japanese mashed potatoes um the other day i did a little video and um i've been i've been wanting to go i want to go to japan that's like one of my go-to like destinations and um i've been following a lot of writers and chefs from japan and Food Saki Tokyo on Instagram and Emily Nunn, who also wrote a phenomenal like food memoir called the Comfort Food Diaries. They talk about um, Japanese mashed potatoes. And I was like, what the heck is that? Like, I need to know. And so I you no take idea. a boiled, right? It's so, wait, wait, you hear about it. It's so you take your boiled potatoes. I used uh, purple because that's what I had purple mashed potatoes and purple carrots. So mine was kind of frou-frou, but the first time I made it it was just straight white potatoes, Yukons, they were delicious. Mm -hmm. So you boil your potatoes 12 minutes till they're fork tender, and then um, use your spider to scoop it into a bowl. And then you have your boiling water and then you blanch off your carrots, um, like matchstick carrots for like two minutes. And then you toss that in there and then you mash with a fork So it's not like a a whipped potato. And then you add mayonnaise. I feel like I do a lot with mayonnaise. (laughs) I like mayonnaise and everything. Um, Mayonnaise and get this, rice wine vinegar. Mm. And it has this creamy, zingy, delicious, it hits the back of your palate and you're just like, oh. Um, And so when I Googled like Japanese mashed potatoes, they're also called Japanese potato salad. Um, People add like diced ham, bacon, like. Um, shrimp egg diced eggs like it becomes like an entire whole meal wow. but for me i just have it for this little side with the carrots to go with my nabu um salmon i'll have to take a picture and maybe make it. A little green so salad. yeah those mashed potatoes it took it takes about 30 minutes so i did a little 10 minute video it's on youtube um how i make japanese mashed potatoes if you want to google that you'll it'll pop up on youtube um and i'm a little bit goofy in the kitchen like i'm a. <laughs> Literally fell on my face because I was, you know, my slippers tripping over a rug. And I was like, I don't even care. <laughs> Who cares?
3: That's amazing. Um, so we're, we're getting a little short on time, but I wanted to ask you something. So something that we've talked about kind of here and there in a few episodes in the past, and we'll probably, we've been saying for a long time, we want to do a full episode on this, but we haven't gotten around to it yet. And that's kids and seafood. Do you have any advice on how to get kids to eat? not even just more seafood mm-hmm. how to get kids to eat any seafood
2: <laughs> uh, yeah you put mayonnaise and breading on it <laughs> <laughs> i can't i can't
3: even get my oldest to eat fish sticks
2: i mean that's crazy so he doesn't even eat fish stick tacos she, have you ever done that she will,
3: she will not eat pretty much anything she's just the pickiest eater ever she's she's just oh, way too smart she's 3 years old and she's, she's cognitively like 5 years old according to the doctor, she's too smart so she's too smart
2: um, i think really like aside from your too smart child um fish stick tacos are like the ultimate like kid food um you just take fish sticks out of like the frozen fish sticks throw them in the oven and you make and my hairdresser told me this and um she's like you know indiana like midwestern like i said what do you do for seafood she goes oh so we eat um, mrs Paul's fish stick tacos uh, tacos i said you do what what? <laughs> What? And so I was like, that's a thing. That's actually a thing, evidently. Um, and so, yeah, cheese and, you know, I mean, without trying to get too fattening, you know, you don't want it to be too fattening. Otherwise, it defeats the purpose of eating right. like healthy food. But it, is, I think it is hard. You've got a lot. I think for kids, it's really difficult because I I, I, I think that if the parents ate more seafood, you know, they say kids emulate the parents. I don't have children. So. You know, I don't know. My dog eats everything. I he loves the seafood. Like he's—you know—I <laughs> have no problem feeding the dogfish. Yeah, that's not i um, thats not in my wheelhouse. I don't know how to answer that one.
1: No, I think you answered it yeah. perfectly. Tell- my, my wife's a dietitian, and we 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 have some picky eaters in our house as well. And a lot of it is just ignoring, and not acknowledging. Uh, our my oldest daughter right now is on is anti animal proteins it just all of a sudden happened mm-hmm. and we're not we're we're, we're giving her options there are other options that are that she can have for for dinner this is mostly when it's an issue and we don't really feed into it we we discuss like yeah this has meat me in it if you don't want to eat it you don't have to but we're all gonna have it this is what's for dinner uh and and that helps but your point of they copy what the parents eat so we more seafood. We've been eating a lot of seafood since both of them have been born, and so they see it as a common household item that's that's eaten, and so they're not necessarily scared of it. I grew up as fish was fish sticks, and in the holidays it was shrimp, you know, cocktail, and that and, and that was it. That's that's how shrimp was integrated into my diet at a young age, and it wasn't really until I three years ago and I started working for GAA that I just saw all these creative options that were available and things that I've never tried before. And and now I'm bringing those home with me and we're just eating them as much as we possibly can in front of the kids. And I said in the last episode mm-hmm. that both of my kids will eat mussels and and that could be a turnoff for a lot of children only because you're opening up something you see on the beach, if you live near a beach and eating something inside, and that can be a turnoff. But if, you, if they look past that fear and see that the parents aren't scared to eat that, that it's worth trying and and if they get past, you know, really think about, oh, this actually does taste good. It's something I like, and they can continue to do it, then I mean, that's a good thing. Because eventually we want them to grow up and incorporate seafood into their diet naturally so that their kids will do it and and the cycle will continue. It's, it's, we're really, we're trying to, ch- and I'm speaking mostly in, America. I mean, I think children in other countries have no problem eating seafood, whether it's for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. We struggle with that here in the United States. And I, I think trying to rewrite that narrative of seafood needs to find us. This- its way on people's plates more often that eventually this will become habit and generations to come. will start hopefully seeing the appropriate seafood servings on their plates on a weekly basis, but we'll see. It's wishful thinking, but I hope we can get there.
2: No, I think that's great. And also another thing too, like pizza, like flatbread, don't discount seafood on flatbread. Like that's such a great way to incorporate more seafood and kids love pizza, you know, um, just with your seafood, you don't, You you know, if you're if you're cooking like in a regular kitchen, I'm not talking about like a wood stove where it takes two minutes, but if you're throwing it in the oven, you know, for 15 minutes, that seafood doesn't need to go on until the last like three or four minutes because that's, you know, they're small pieces and they're going to cook very quickly. Or even sometimes in the case of like, like a white pizza with clams, clams out of the can, they're already cooked. So they really just need to be heated. So that would be like the last minute. But Yeah. And um, just try to add flavors that, you know, the kids already like to the foods that they're already eating and enjoying. So that might be a way to like sneak a little bit more in and then get them excited or even like when they're if they're old enough, like bring them into the kitchen. Like I think for me when growing up, when I was old enough to stand and reach like the burner, you know, the knob on the avocado green oven, I was cooking. You know, I was like in that cook joy of cooking. The joy of cooking was the cookbook. And um, I was just – I had – my mom wasn't around. She was working, so I was like free liberty in the kitchen, like, oh, let me try this. You know, I feel bad for my siblings because they would be like, what is this? Test, test, taste testers. <laughs> yeah. There's a learning curve there for sure. That's awesome.
1: That's a that's a really good point as well. If you try to incorporate in things that they're already enjoying, there's – you can start – with with smaller portions and they might not notice it as much. I mean, we have talked about tricking your kids. Like, oh no, that's a chicken nugget when it's really interesting. We we were able to
3: lie to Harper like twice. Yeah, I think it it was was chicken and then...
2: Well, you know, we have the whole Santa Claus myth for years and years and years. So why not, myth? you know,
3: exactly. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, I don't I don't want to go for too long. uh, But Maureen, before we finish up, uh, I want to give you a chance to kind of talk about some of the stuff that you have available to public, how people can get in contact with you and, you know, talk about your books and some of the other stuff that you have coming up. And I want you to uh, talk about green fish, blue oceans, real quick.
2: Okay, great. Thanks. Well, um, first of all, the important things you can find me online at Maureen Seaberry. My website is maureenseaberry.com. Um, on my Insta, I'm maureenseaberry because I'm old and <laughs> I had my initial Maureen Seaberry on Instagram way back in the day and I couldn't remember the password. So I lost track. <laughs> um, <laughs> it happens when you get older, you forget. You really do. Um, I'm doing a, some something new and exciting that I want to make people aware. Um, I started doing water mixed media water watercolor commissions. Can I get that out um, to help? spread the plastic pollution and ocean pollution awareness campaign so my work is um small pieces eight by eight nine by twelve um all ocean creatures um i call them ocean friends and they have clever little names um like octavia the octopus um shelly the shrimp um, Juno, the jellyfish, um, etc. So that's also available on the website, um, which is getting an upgrade and an uplift. So that'll be an e-commerce site, and you can commission an art piece directly from me if you like. Um, my cookbook is Salmon from Market to Plate. When you want to eat salmon, that's good for you in the oceans. Um, that's available um, in print and digital um, on Amazon. And. Um, I think that Greenfish Blue Oceans um, season one is an A to Z educational, fun educational program. They're short 20 minute, 20 minute segments. Um, I tackle a seafood species and an ocean challenge and talk about that and why you should care. Season two um, began as all things aquaculture. Um, and that's kind of been on hiatus since um, my cancer um, diagnosis, but I'm healthy again, and we'll be back behind the mic um, within the next month or so to continue that conversation. So you can find oh. me there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks. Greenfish And that is available on Apple podcasts.
3: Awesome. And we will make sure that we link to that too. We love our fellow fish and seafood uh, podcasters on here. We know we, people who listen regularly have probably heard us, you know, talk about many other shows, fish nerds, uh, monger and some of the other seafood and Greenfish yep. Blue Oceans is another one uh, that you should definitely be listening to, especially if you are in the seafood space. So um, is there anything else that you'd like to get out there before we sign off?
2: I think that's it. I think I just hit it. I think I hit it all. I'm happy to see, connect with people. If you want to reach out, I'm available to talk. Um, if you want to come onto to the podcast, let me know. And um I really appreciate you all having me on. It's been a pleasure.
3: Great. Justin, Maddie, do you guys have anything else?
2: I just want to thank you for coming on, Maureen. This was such
0: a great conversation. And I'm so happy because I feel like we've interacted so much online. I'm so excited to actually <laughs> meet you, not necessarily no. in person, but meet you.
1: COVID meet. That's you. right.
3: Oh, this is how we COVID meet everyone I'm... at this point, yeah. COVID meet. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. This is the new way that we, we that we meet, right? Okay. All right. Happy well we day. appreciate you coming on. Yeah. And uh, we probably could have talked easily for a, a, another hour. There's oh, for sure. a, a, so much and a wealth of knowledge that you have. That, um so maybe we'll have you on again in the future.
2: And thanks, and so I'm happy to that. have you on. I can bring you over to Greenfish Blue Ocean, so that'd be a lot of fun. You guys to be a guest. I'm more and than
1: happy to do that.
2: Happy to be, yeah. Happy to come on anytime you want. So. I, I
3: I would love to do a show where someone else does the editing. So that's great. Great by me. <laughs> <laughs> Music
2: right. to Sean's
0: ears. All right. All right.
3: Thank you so much, Maureen. Uh, again, okay. maureencberry.com. We will link to it in the show notes. Make sure you check it out and reach out to her with any questions.
2: Thanks.
3: Folks, that was our conversation with Maureen Berry. As always, we hope you enjoyed it. We hope you learned something. I know I learned a ton. Uh, I am ready to go was...
0: jump into the kitchen right now.
3: Absolutely, I want I want to try that that crispy salmon skin that had my my mouth watering. Same. Yeah, I'll and wait, I will try it first. If, if anyone scared. if anyone is interested in the recipe for the Cajun shrimp and sausage jambalaya or Justin's amazing shrimp Alfredo, <laughs> make sure you send us a message. Go to that contact form and send us a message about that. I want to remind everybody that I am back on the show. I am not gone permanently. Thank you, Elise, for filling our in. Our favorite oh, host. Oh, don't say that. Elise is your favorite host. I know that. That's okay. Um, but I want to thank her for coming in and doing a fantastic job keeping the show going. You guys did an awesome job and I thank you two for that as well. And I want to thank our listeners for listening and for subscribing. If you haven't subscribed, make sure you subscribe to Aquademia wherever you listen. We are wherever
1: podcasts are podcasts. Oh, and you can reach out to us three ways. Uh, we are on social, Aquademia Pod. Uh, send us an email, podcast at aquaculturealliance.org. And we have talked about this in the beginning of the episode, but you can visit us at aquaculturealliance.org. Go to the education and resources section halfway down the page, you'll see Aquademia, and there's a contact button right there. Fill out the form. We want to hear from you. Give us content ideas. Do you want to be a guest on the show? It's all right there in that form.
0: And we'll have that linked below, too, for ease of access.
1: Yep.
3: And since we since you mentioned that in the last episode, we've had like it's like a avalanche of emails through that of contacts through that people people found that easy to use i guess so if you have contacted us through there and we haven't gotten back to you yet please be patient we're getting through everything and we we will try to respond to everybody although make sure you fill in the little box with like what you want to talk about because um You know, we had some people send in emails and it was literally just their email address and no content. So we weren't really sure why they were contacting us. But make sure you do that.
0: And while you're at thinking about us and talking about us, you might as well leave us a rating and review on whichever podcast platform you listen to us on.
3: So that's it. So thank you so much for listening and we will talk to you next time. Ciao.
0: Bye.